My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right. Welcome, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Becca Shea, and Bill was so kind to let me take over the podcast for two episodes to talk about my favorite thing in the world, which is accountability, a great form of ownership, which is one of our core values here at Seven Figure Flipping. And I've got Carlo with me. How are you doing, Carlo? Hey, Becca. What's going on? Happy to be here. Carlo has been so nice to be a guest for us. So just a little bit about my journey with accountability. Um, in 2016, I read this book, The 12 Week Year. It's funny because it actually does sit on my desk, <laughs> even now, five years later. Um, and it really impacted my life in a, in a way where I am a visionary, a crazy entrepreneur, and I want to do all the things, right? And I want to do them all at once, like right now. And this book gave me some clarity on um, what it takes to succeed. And especially when you have a lot of things you want to accomplish, really the best way to accomplish them is to just get focused and put one foot in front of the other. So I love this idea so much that I got a couple people in the seven figure flipping mastermind to just reach out and they said, Hey, I read this really cool book. It talks about breaking the, the year down into these 12 week increments and just focusing hundred percent on one thing and knocking that thing out in such a way that you can accomplish three or four goals a year to really move your business forward. A couple of people joined in with me. First session was just like a handful of us, maybe five or six. And then it grew to like 30 people. And we tried to keep all 30 people together and that quickly got unmanageable. And you really lost the intimacy and connection. And then we came to this format eventually of um, breaking down into groups of five to nine people and having a leader in each of them, an ace, an accountability expert, which Carlo, you are this time around, right? Yes, I am. Which is great because um, being an ace not only uh, allows you to kind of control the meeting and run it, but it's also a great opportunity to work on leadership skills, which any entrepreneur knows is probably the, the difference between success um, and failure in the long run is becoming, is developing those leadership skills. So none of us are good at it right out of the gate, I will tell you. And um, Carlo joined us last year with our runway program, which we launched in October um, as our second session. And we just, we did something different last year with runway. Normally people come in and they, they figure out where they're trying to go on this journey. What's their dream that, that hazy pie in the sky feeling. And then we talk about their vision, which is super crisp. And really like if, if your dream is to buy a house, the vision would be, I want a four bedroom yellow house on two acres in this township, right? Getting it super clear. Then we talk about where you want to go in one year. And then we normally say to our members, you know what, you pick the thing you need to work on in your business. You know better than we do what you need to do. But with our runway group this time, we actually brought in Nina Ferraro, who's a productivity and business coach. Um, and we did a course, a 12 week course with her. And so Carlo, I know that's kind of where your journey started with seven figure flipping. Can you tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, um, where were you at before you joined the group? Sure. So I am originally from Northeast Pennsylvania and born, bred, uh, raised the whole deal 
stayed there from early kindergarten all throughout high school. And then after I got done with high school, I actually went to college out in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That was my That's next near stop. where I live. It's exciting. <laughs> we're, we're practically neighbors right now. <laughs> we're just kind of moving all over the place here. Mm-hmm. Um, from Williamsport, then I came back to the town that I grew up in. I was there for a few years. This is right after all the crazy recession, everything financial crash back in 2008, 2009. Um, actually started with a corporate job in 2011, and I've been with the same company, same corporation since 2011 here. So literally just coming up on my 10-year anniversary with my W-2. And then um, with that job, I moved to just north of New York City. And I've been generally around New York City within an hour or so um, for the past 10 years. Um, and What's I guess your day job? Uh, my day job, I work for an automotive company, and I'm a manager for product technical support. Okay. So a very technical role, um, and that's kind of how it evolved. It's been all technical positions, working both with training um, within the organization. Um, we have a large network of dealerships, and within those dealerships, we have a lot of technicians that are working on the product day to day. Mm-hmm. So my background started uh, by working with these technicians to train them on the technical aspects of our product. From there, I transitioned into a role where I was actually going out and helping with all the top level problems that they had on the product, helping to get those cars fixed back on the road. And, and now in my current role, I manage a team of guys. And throughout the, the U.S. and Canada, we are going, doing the same thing that I was before, but I'm now leading this group of guys who's doing the same thing, making sure that we're managing the product, managing our, our partners and our dealers. Awesome. And so I know you and your beautiful bride got married in 2019, right? We did. Yes. What made you decide to come to Flip Hacking Live in 2020 and start this journey? Good question. So the real estate thing for us started back in 2013. 15, 2014. Um, I had been doing a, a program in grad school. And as I went through one of my courses, it was a finance program, finance course, and we started talking about uh, mortgages, right? So this is something that I never yes. really had much exposure Real estate with. nerds love talking about mortgages. <laughs> I like it. Me too. It's kind of where the sickness started, I guess. <laughs> so from that point, I, I kind of started digging in a little bit like, okay, let me understand what home finance is. And we had been renters at that point. I'd been renting um, ever since I left my parents' house when I was 17. And now it was time like, okay, what is out there? Uh, what can we do besides renting? And throughout my grad program, uh, the first few years, I had some interaction with a couple of my peers who are around the same age as me. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we we're much closer to New York City, where I was living. And there was a lot of these like co-op condos that were there. Yeah, yeah. So they were all talking about how much they bought them for and how long they've <laughs> been living there. And I was like, okay, well, I could probably buy something too. It's, like doesn't seem that hard. But then mm-hmm. like the next step of the journey was that class where we started talking about the mortgages. And that was like the next piece. Like, okay, I clicked a little bit more. Now let me, yeah, let me look into this. So at that point, um, Larissa, my wife and I, we had moved in together in 2014. 
September 2014. Mm-hmm. And we were renting a place together. And as soon as she got there, this was like right around the same time that I had that class. So we were like, okay, let's let's start looking and see where we could live, what we could potentially buy. And it was super hard, even at that point, being so close to New York City. Yeah. The prices are just like beyond what either of us would be able to afford at that point. Um, but yeah, so as we 2015, started, what what was the prices like then? What were the prices like then? So prices at that point, we were looking at some stuff as we started coming a little bit further away from the city. Um, we were still within like I don't know, 10 minutes from my job and we were about 25, 30 minutes away from where Larissa was working at the time. Some prices that we were seeing in that area, which we're talking called Orange County, New York, um, about an hour, hour 10 from the city. We're looking at prices around 200000 roughly, at that for point. This would actually be either for like a townhouse or like a single family buy level, like okay. between two to 25, somewhere in that ballpark. What, what do they go for today? Do you know roughly six years I later? Do. So we actually ended up buying one of those townhouses. Okay. Um, we got it as a foreclosure, which was a crazy experience. We had to work with this online auction company. Uh, one of the early things that we figured out was that if they're going to offer a home for sale, they don't actually need to hold the deed for the home, right? They can like figure all that stuff out later on. Mm-hmm. So we were going through this process where they needed to get like a deed in lieu, all that good stuff. Um, but come to the end of all this, we end up purchasing the place for 206, I think is what we bought it for. And we're waiting for an appraisal on a place behind us that's been under contract for just about 30 days now. And we're hoping it comes in like 330, 335. Nice. It's a good return. So good. Yes. You bought that one in 2015. So let's fast forward to 20. 20 mm-hmm. guys are married you come to flip hacking live like what what was going on in your head at that point so at that point we were trying to figure out how we could integrate real estate as being more of a full-time role or full-time function of our day-to-day life mm-hmm. uh, we were both are both still working our w-2s uh, we both wanted to do the W-2 because it allowed us to grow in our career, taking something that we studied in our undergrad mm-hmm. and then even stuff that we studied in grad school and applying that to a corporate position, uh, being able to move through several roles, getting promotions within a company, uh, you know, like the, the American dream, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that this is where we want to be for the rest of our lives. We're not sure that holding a W-2 Uh, working for somebody else. What I see kind of like being limited, uh, not being in a sales role, not being commission-based. I am, and she is just salary benefits. We do the, yeah, we do the day-to-day, right? And you like, you go to work, you come home, uh, you know, you're going to get the same thing at the end of every day. And for me, I've never been one to just be okay with being inside the box. And these 10 years of being inside of a a corporate box, like one company, it's really the longest I've ever stuck with like one thing consistently. And I think I'm just like ready to. Okay. I mean, I feel like 10 years is we can, we can put a fork in that and say that you are very consistent there. I mean, I think my last job, real job, I was at for six or seven years. I look back, I'm like, that was, that was plenty of time. I can say that I did that. 
time for the next chapter. So you're ready to like take your um, real estate investing kind of to the next level, the next level of intensity for you. And you joined in um, uh, right after Flip Hacking Live in October, 2020, which we have another Flip Hacking Live coming up here too. So we'll be doing that again. Um, and you started with Nina's course. What, like when you came in, what were you hoping to accomplish? And talk me through that first accountability session with Nina's course and what you got out of it. Sure. So the first time around, it was actually really interesting because I have more of a business background where Larissa does not have a business background at all. So a lot of the things that I talk about, I wasn't really putting the pieces together that she wasn't on the same page with me. Like, even ah. though I'm talking about like vision and business and uh, things that we talked about in Nina's course, like budgeting, these were concepts where even though I would talk about them, I could go through some of the stuff with her. It just like wasn't sticking or, or clicking with her. So as soon as we got into that course, I think she really enjoyed it a lot because she calls it like the, the business 101 or business fundamentals class yeah. where she was able to take all these things that I had been talking to her about and she could started to, to like apply them, put a framework to them rather than being more like an abstract concept that we would just talk about. So as we started going through this course um, and even going into runway, one of the things that we were having trouble with together in the real estate business was being consistent. Mm -hmm. So if I go back just a few months before runway, uh, Bill launched a thing last year called the video vault. Yep. And when the video vault came out, that was the first piece that we really grabbed onto. We said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get the video. Let's mm -hmm. become a little bit more intentional about all of this. Which now we still have, we've renamed it the Academy. Apparently that's sounds better, but Tyler, we redid all of Tyler's flipping videos in there. So it's, it's even better now. Nice. So I thought that was a great uh, segue into doing all of this. We got to watch the videos. It gave us uh, a little bit in each direction, right? Cause you get a little bit on the rehab stuff. You get a little bit on the wholesaling. Mm -hmm. So we took that, we watched all the videos and we said, okay, let's start to apply some of this. So we started, but we weren't intentional. We were like, we were a little bit intentional but we weren't really consistent about what we were doing. We knew that we wanted to try something different. We knew that we could apply everything we had done what we had learned, what we knew our experience so far up to this. Mm -hmm. So we did, but then I think we sent out uh, one mailer, we did a little bit of SMS marketing, mm -hmm. and we got a few responses, but neither of us comes from marketing or sales. Yeah. So we weren't like deep dive, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to do it. Like I've seen it before, let's just replicate. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we started into uh, the runway group and then going through that first accountability session with Nina's business course now was like okay what we need to do is lay out our plan because that's a lot of what you go through in Nina's course we had to do a 90-day plan 180 day plan we had to do a one-year plan a two-year plan we had to lay out what our uh, business vision was like why are figuring out your why right that's a big thing like yeah. why were we going to do this in the first place and what do we expect to get out of this? Like, is our intention just to grow like 
a multi-billion dollar real estate empire and like take over the world? Or are we doing this more like as we see it, initially it becomes more like how do we do the marketing, right? How do we become consistent with the marketing? From that marketing, how do we start to refine our processes? And then once we begin to refine our processes, we start to get leads coming in. Now, how are we working with those potential sellers? Mm -hmm. And can we bring any of them across the finish line? But before it was, it was just really open-ended. Like, we don't know how we're going to go through each of these. (laughs) Yeah. So at least this gave us a direction, right? Even if we don't end up sticking with or being wholesalers, we know that the way I look at this and what I've referred to this as is applied learning. Mm-hmm. I think that applied learning is absolutely the best type of learning that you can do. Yeah. So yeah, we may not stick with wholesaling long-term. We may stick with wholesaling long-term, but either way, we know that the sales, the marketing, the process, all the optimization for our business, the budgeting, the structuring of the, the plan and how long things are going to take us that crosses right over, right? You don't lose any of that stuff after you start to learn it. So starting to go through Nina's course, having the opportunity to put down like, okay, we're going to do a wholesaling business. And how do we want our our vision to look? And what do we think the next few years, next few months is going to look like? We're able to put it on paper. And now we can say, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And this is what it should look like. This is what we expect to improve upon. This is our expected outcomes. And we can kind of like gauge ourselves as we go through it, having the opportunity to look back on the course. That's awesome. And you guys had done a rehab. Was it in July of last year? Was that, did you do that before or after you bought the, the vault? I'm curious if that, um, if you learned about rehabbing before or after. <laughs> Our rehab learning was trial by fire. <laughs> <laughs> we bought that property um, actually a few years prior. Um, and it would have been nice had we, join this group at that point, but (laughs) here we are. So uh, we bought that in September of 2017 and that rehab, the way the market was and where our numbers were, the amount of work that we put into the house and how much we ended up spending on labor and materials. And as it all shook out, we did okay on the property. Um, We ended up breaking even after everything was all put out there. But the process to get to that point to be able to break even was long. Mm. It was very long. Um, the rehab itself, we were able to get done within a period of it was September to February. We were done mm-hmm. by the end of February. So it wasn't like a crazy long time. Yeah. But we weren't able to sell it as quick as what we had hoped to. Mm. The market didn't give us the number that we wanted as fast. But then fast forward through COVID last year, and it was like, as soon as COVID hit, the number was there and we were able to sell the home. So mm-hmm. it kind of worked out for us a little bit. It was like a blessing in disguise. In that Good sense. job, rising market. Oh, um, so, so your first session, you it was great. because It sounds like it brought you and Larissa kind of onto the same page in an alignment and really helped you put a plan in place to move forward, which was our intent. I mean, you know, a lot of people come into runway, especially they don't have a background in business. They're probably more, they're probably closer to where Larissa is than you were. Um, and, and we quickly realized that that's one of the most important things is like, why are you doing this? What, like, 
if you just want a lifestyle business where you want to flip five houses a year and make good money and kind of travel a lot, like that's a lot different than I'm going to flip 10 houses a month, you know, <laughs> like let's, let's think about why we're doing this first. So I love that. And then your second session was in January of this year after our Nashville event. Um, talk me a little bit through that one. What were, you, what were some takeaways that you had in that session? Sure. So we did not end up attending the Nashville event just because of everything going on with COVID at the time. So we did that event virtually. And from the beginning, Flip Hacking Live, uh, the Nashville event, we were all in, even though it was virtual, like we were there every minute of every session, every day sticking through it. So we felt like we were getting the full content. And even though we didn't have the opportunity to be there in person for the Nashville event, we were ready to take what we had learned in Nina's accountability course. Mm -hmm. And now let's apply this and let's move forward. Um, so going through that accountability course with Nina the first time, uh, coming towards the end of it, I also did a, a laser coaching call with Amanda. Mm -hmm. And this one of was our, like, for our listeners, we, we have these laser coaching sessions in our runway group where uh, some experienced business owners and take different topics, wholesaling, rehabbing, marketing, sales, and we call them laser coaching calls. So continue with your, your conversation with Amanda. So then Amanda, she was like really pushing me into becoming more consistent. Like, okay, what's Again, your word? <laughs> yeah. Like what's your wholesaling plan and how are, how are you going to do this? Like, how are you going to execute? So what we decided to do and this transitioning right into the, the second accountability session here, we decided that we were going to stick with our direct mail. Direct mail was going to be our key. And then with direct mail, uh, we not only needed to send it out one time, like we did in the past and like expect all of the results, but now this time we just needed to get consistent and do like six months worth of mail. Yeah. So as we came into that second accountability session, that's where we were at. That's what we were doing. We did our first mail drop at the end of December. And then going through the second accountability session, we were able to continue through um, all the way up to Cancun. We got what, five mail drops done by that point. All right. So yeah, we were really seeing um, the leads come in at that point, right? We didn't get all the deals and everything that we thought we could have got. Mm -hmm coming through that first mail session, but what it showed us was that you have an opportunity to be consistent with your marketing. And then as long as your marketing is going out, you do at that same point, start to get some leads coming in, right? So now what we're talking and really how we did the second accountability session would be, I guess what you'd call doing reps. And that's a lot of what we've done up to this point is getting our reps in. We've been able to uh, consistently get our marketing out, have leads coming in. And then we started putting a lot of time in during that second accountability session, talking to potential sellers on the phone and then taking those seller leads that were coming in and now going out and going on appointments with those sellers to see if we could close any deals. All right. This is like the right. perfect natural progression. Excuse me. I just had like a coughing fit. So <laughs> you see, I look like I'm almost crying over here. Um, but 
but when you're building your business, right, you have an idea and you start executing, you commit, and then it, it, it moves. It's not like all at once, right? You don't get all the pieces exactly right in one go. Yeah, absolutely not. I think for us, a lot of what we found was that as we went through these months and we became more intentional, more consistent, we then started to see when we talk about results and being result oriented, for me at this point, I don't see it as much as have we closed any deals? I see it more that by putting the effort in, creating these processes, working on our systems, making sure that we have consistently done the marketing that we say we're going to do. What are the results that we're getting from that? Is that producing for us? Because this natural progression that you talk about, it's like each step leads to the next step. Rolling down the hill, right? Like first you got your boulder at the top of the hill, you start to push it and you're like, okay, now we got this. Now we got leads coming in. Now we're talking to sellers. Now we're working on our sales skills. I love that. That's amazing. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, now you did get a contract in December, right? We did. And And what happened with that one? Right. So this contract is kind of interesting. Going through the laser coaching call with Amanda, we discussed this seller. Um, We had actually had this seller come in back in September or August of 2020. And It was a seller in our local market that we had done some SMS marketing to. Um, He responded back like, yeah, I'm interested. Let's talk. Um, We ended up going out to meet with him. We went on an appointment and we weren't really sure about what to do with the appointment. So then fast forwarding after the call with Amanda, she's like, whatever happened with that guy? Did you follow up with him? Like, are you keeping the relationship going? So I did follow up with them again. A good little kick up, in the pants there. Oh, I know. It's exactly what I needed to do. <laughs> like, because we didn't know if anything was going to come of that appointment, but it was more about like, hey, you have this guy, you're talking to him, like you're still in communication with him. He's in distress. He has a distressed property. Like go out and see what's going on. His pain has not gone away. And he's still in pain to this day, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so This guy has a few properties that he purchased from the county. They were auction properties at the time. I think they might've been tax auctions. And he purchased the properties for what he thought was a good deal. Um, He also operates a local business with a sibling of his, who is like the, the money guy in the relationship, the dynamic. So we go out, we talk to him a little bit about the property, walk the property, and we end up putting the property under contract for what should be a good price, right? It's a good percentage of the ARV. It should work well with an assignment fee on a wholesale. And even if it's a small assignment fee, it's still left enough room to do that. The percentages were there and it worked. Mm -hmm. And talking to Amanda uh, on the call, she's like, listen, if that was in my market and I was able to get it at this price with that ARV, like there's no reason I won't work. So went out, got the property under contract with him for a price that would work. Um, then followed up and did one of these investor walkthroughs where we had like three or four people come to the house all at the same time. And that was actually my first time in the house. So that was interesting <laughs> for me as well. Good because, job. Yeah. It ended up being much worse condition <laughs> than what not, we thought. I am. This is my not surprised face. <laughs> <laughs> so we get in there. Um, 
and we were getting offers on this place. Just a couple rough numbers here. Our ARV is like 210, 215 on the property. We put under contract for 97 and mm-hmm. we marketed it out higher than 97 to build in the assignment fee. And then we had our highest offer after the investor walker. And these are rehabbers who are local to the area, do a bunch of projects. Um, they all came back right around the same point. It was like 65 to 70,000. Mm. So not only was this below what our seller originally was asking for, but in addition to that, we come to find out we pulled a, a tax list in January. This mm-hmm. guy's like 25K behind on this property in taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so we're getting to the point like, okay, we got to bring him down from his 97 down to 70. And then we have to take him down from 70, another 20, 25K just for the taxes that he owes on the property. Yep. And then, oh yeah, we still want to make an assignment fee on top of this. So now we're getting down to this number where it's like smaller, smaller, smaller. Um, and this is kind of where your, your sales and negotiation talk comes into play mm-hmm. as being the next step. Because we've not been able to get this guy to come down any lower on the contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still holds the property. We still drive past it pretty frequently because we're local. You can go to tax sale here any day. <laughs> yeah. If anything starts moving in that direction. Um, so we know that he's not in a position where he really has any bargaining chips on this property. It's just yeah. deteriorating worse by the day. It's not able to have any tenants in it. Like the property's falling apart. The house is falling apart. And I think, I really do think that coming into this business with the mindset of being able and wanting to help people, that is what we were doing, right? I don't even, I honestly, I marked that contract down to a point where there was like such a slim margin for us on an assignment fee. It was like, can we just help this guy get out of yep. this house? Yeah, this I've place. definitely been there. I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm not making money, but I'm hoping that karma is going to come back around. Some, exactly. I mean, obviously you have to be in this to have a business and to make money because if you don't make money, then you go out of business and you can't help other people. But um, sometimes that happens. Well, that's awesome. Well, I want to bring it back a little bit to the accountability. So sure. keep working with that guy. I want to know as soon as you get that under contract, but also watch the tax sales. <laughs> Um, let's talk about your current session. So that one was good because it, sh- it showed you the power of consistent marketing and that's how you get the phone to ring, right? Six no's to get a yes. Um, sometimes you have to get in front of sellers six times before they actually pick up the phone to say, Hey, yeah, I might, I might be interested in selling. Um, I know your current accountability session, um, we're, we're running into one of the things that we noticed when I look back over these sessions, we've been doing this for, since 2016, we run four sessions a year. So I don't do the math. That's like 25 sessions, maybe 26 sessions that we've done. Um, I can tell you I'm a data person. I'm mechanical engineering is my background. And so I I look at the numbers and we almost always have a 40% attrition rate um, of people who raise their hand and they say, I want it. I want accountability, but like everybody wants accountability until they get it. And they realize that they just committed to consistent things. Um, which is one of the reasons why we put sometimes eight or nine people in a group, because really the ideal group size is like five, four or five people. <laughs> and we know that we'll have some attrition. Talk a little bit about what's going on in your current group. Sure. So early on, uh, when we start these accountability groups, we have the, the 10 week layout, but we start off with our week zero, I guess, is our introduction week. And even during the introduction week, 
Um, we didn't have full group attendance that time. We were like 40. So, like so for some four. reference for our listeners, these people literally raised their hands like four days prior and said, because uh, we have a really short window where, where you can sign up for a session. We have an event, then we open up our signups for accountability groups. Then we assign the groups and we have this like get to know you meeting. It's, it's like a 10 day window. First meeting, people no show. And, and that kind of like set the tone for everything. Right? We had our, our first no shows and then coming into the second week, which was really the first week of like, okay, do we need goals? We have uh, one less person show up. So we're talking uh, at this point, there's only four out of the six of us that are still there. And we're talking like, okay, um, being this time around, we're the, I'm the ace in the group. <laughs> You're the leader and you got to be yeah. thinking a little bit like, did I do something? What did I right. do wrong? Let me just like take the note. ship sinking already. <laughs> <You didn't. laughs> like, how do we plug the hole? How do we stop the water from going out? Can we keep everybody here? Um, but at the same point, like, continuing to tell ourselves, continuing to tell myself, if anybody wants to show up for the group, they're going to show up, right? I kind of, and I, maybe I made this reference before, but I was looking at it like, okay, if somebody is not going to come in for work, they have a job, the physical job that they need to go to, you'd expect that they'd at least like call their boss, right? They're going to call in sick for the job. But this is like we have an office that we're running. We have employees that are supposed to be there. The employees aren't showing up. And now like we're calling the employees. We haven't even heard from them. We're saying like, hey, where is everybody? Is anybody coming in anymore? Yeah. Are we still running this business? Now, I will say, <laughs> excuse me. We talked about this being a leadership journey as well. And I swing back and forth between that. But there's one, there's a quote in the book that I really love. And I've definitely said it multiple times. And for anybody out there who's listening to this because they love the idea of accountability, accountability is really, it's ownership and it's um, personal leadership, like personal discipline. Terry Berger is one of the board members in the group. And I remember he showed up to one meeting and he remembers this because he's told me the story back a few times. He's like, I showed up to one meeting and I like didn't get my stuff done. And you looked me straight in the eye and you were like, show a little personal leadership, buddy, <laughs> like personal discipline. And that's it. Like, if you want to succeed, you, you have to have that inside of you. You obviously have it inside of you. I mean, it's apparent you're tenacious and, and you have some other guys in your group too, who are going to stick around. Now we'll probably combine you with another group. Usually around week four, we, we take a look at attendance and we see where we're at. The guys who have stuck around, tell me a little bit about them. Like, what do you think is going to make them successful? Yeah, absolutely. So of the guys that have stuck around, it's really down to like three of us total now. Um, one of them, he and I have been in a previous accountability group together. And we all then had the opportunity to meet in Cancun together. Um, right, which we had our Cancun think, event. Awesome. Yeah, I think that was perfect because it really gave us the opportunity to go from a point where We'd been meeting every week virtually, never mm -hmm. having actually met each other in person. And then we come together for this week where everybody is there for the common theme, right? We're building together, learning together. And coming out of that, like he and I are in this group and we're like, all right, go, 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 go. Like, yeah. what are you doing next? What are you doing next? Uh -huh. Like, let's keep each other motivated. Find out what your wins were this past week. Like, are you sticking with your marketing? Are you going on your seller's appointments? Um, he's doing, he's not doing wholesaling. He's doing rehabbing, mm -hmm. but 
he's got another property under contract now, right? Like he's been able to get his property under contract and then he closed it. Like as soon as we started into this group. So now he's starting on his next project and I'm in there like, okay, I know you got this project going on. You guys are about to start the rehab, but like, where's the next one? Yeah. How's your marketing? (laughs) (laughs) Which is to your consistency theme. Like that is the tendency for all of us to get a deal and then be like, I don't need to pay attention to leads anymore. Yeah. But in reality, like marketing is the machine behind all of us mm-hmm. and figuring out how to consistently do marketing, but not just do it, making sure that you're targeting the right people, the right sellers that are motivated enough to be able to, to let you come in and help them with whatever their problem is. Those yep. are the people we need to get in front of. Um, and then we have another group member who's uh, not as far along, but my thing Uh, coming in is trying to share the experience that I have, the experience that our other group member has, and really get behind him to say like, okay, what's your strategy? Where are you focusing? Who have you been targeting to so far? And what marketing channel have you been using? And although we're not light years ahead, like a lot of other people are, we think that we've started to lay the good groundwork, the good foundation here. And if we can, if we now know how to build a foundation, we can help somebody else build a foundation. Yep. I think that's the biggest thing for us in the accountability group. And we always talk about not just um, looking ahead for somebody to help lift you up, but also looking behind to see if anybody's behind you and you can help lift them up too. So yeah. if I look and I see somebody's having trouble building their foundation and I've already done it and I'm like, oh, well, I want to work on like framing and stuff now but let me take a minute, let me go back, help them get their foundation built. And then maybe we can work on framing together and we can do it like twice as fast or twice as powerful. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to look at it. That's, that's definitely, I don't know if that's unique just to seven figure flipping, but I have seen that that's not true in all the investing circles. You know, like I'm not gonna, you figure it out. I figured it out the hard way you figure it out. So that's probably one of my favorite things about the accountability groups, even even when we have like super experience, you know, people doing 200 deals a year in with people, you know, maybe an altitude group that are only doing 10, there's still something you can always learn from each other. That one up, one down mentality. Um, what, what do you think it takes? You've done three sessions now. And I have to say, we use the culture index here in seven figure flipping. I know we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, I pulled up yours. And um, you have that kind of persistent, systematic, relentless personality, right? Like you, you are willing, you know that this is a marathon and not a sprint. Um, and I'm curious how that will impact your answer to this question, but what do you think it takes to really use the tool of accountability well? So I think being able to use this tool, you really need to, number one, like you said already, make sure that you're ready to commit to this. You need to come in, know that you're signing up for accountability and say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And even if I show up every week and I have 0% of what I said I was going to do done, step one is showing. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to be accountable to yourself to at least say, I'm going to get up in front of this room full of people or in front of the computer full of my peers and be able to say, listen, I didn't get my stuff done this week, but I'm here again because I know that I need to start getting my stuff done. 
And maybe, all right, so some of us have um, different mental blocks. We have different things going on in our lives, whether it's personal, uh, maybe something with your health or family, or you have something going on at work, it's professional, something going on with your house. You have like a million different things that could be going on at any point in time. So I don't think the accountability groups are there to beat people up about not getting done what they said they were going to get done. But if you're showing up every week and you can just be open with the people that are in your group, tell them, listen, I didn't get my stuff done. And maybe it takes you three, four, six weeks, seven weeks of building rapport with your group members to get to a point where you feel comfortable enough to talk to them about whatever's going on, whatever mm -hmm. mental block it is that you have, that is, it's like your support group. Right? That's the group yeah. that should be able to help you get through that mental block and get to a point where you can now start focusing on the real estate goals that you're setting out. Cause that's the point of the groups, the real estate goals. But if you're not there, if you need to get yourself to that point, the group is there to help you get yourself to that point. Yeah, I love that. And I just want to say here to the people listening that you don't have to join a mastermind in order to have an accountability group. You can find local people in your market. Before I even joined Seven Figure Flipping, I, I actually pulled a couple investors I knew who I respected and wanted to be more like. I pulled us all together and said, could we meet once a month? Like you, you can do this too. I will tell you, we hit that 40% attrition in like month two, <laughs> <laughs> but Bill and I kept, kept meeting and, uh, and then we joined seven bigger flipping. He pulled me onto this crazy ship. So, um, what have you, one of the things that I love about this real estate investing journey is that you get a, a really clear window into who you are. Like, I feel like in the past seven years, I have learned a lot about myself and it usually shows up in the accountability sessions in that consistent, when you have to consistently execute, that's when you really can't hide some stuff. What have you learned about yourself through these accountability sessions? So through the accountability sessions, I think I've definitely learned that not everybody's at the same place. So specifically with the relationship that I have with my wife, mm. Maybe I thought that the way I was explaining things was enough, right? Because I can take a concept. I've already gotten to the point where I understand it entirely, the beginning to end. Um, and now I'm explaining it in a way to me that makes perfect sense. But it may not make sense to somebody who doesn't have a background in what you're talking about. Mm. Because... Yep there's different levels to understanding things. And maybe I'm explaining things at level three, like you leave out little pieces just because yeah. they're like the basics, right? The, the building blocks you think, okay, I already have these. Um, maybe, maybe it's just that you take them for granted. Not even that you mm -hmm. leave them out on purpose, not that they're not part of the explanation, but the way you're describing it makes sense. But then you have to look and say, well, does this actually make sense to everybody because they don't have the same background that I do. They don't have the same understanding that I do. So how can I explain this differently? Or what does this person need so that when we're talking, we can be on the same page? Yeah, so it's so not a little just, bit of communication, like, yeah. And I don't think it's just communication between 
in my personal relationship with my wife and what we're talking about with business, but now we're going on to like talking to the sellers here, right? Potential mm-hmm. sellers and how uh, my job and everything I've had to do up to this point, communication is key, right? You have to be really good at communicating, good at communicating clearly. But when you talk about like all the nuances of communication, where you have to be like empathetic listener and all these other things, those are the parts that I've really had to focus on. And that's really what I'm trying to open my eyes to and become better at every time that I get on the phone with a lead that calls us in or when I'm making that follow-up call to them to start to talk about what our offer could be on their property. Those are the calls where I'm really trying to focus on and make sure that I'm asking, I don't want to say the right questions, but you have to ask questions the right way Mm. to make sure that you're getting answers and you're keeping that person engaged, right? You're talking to them. You're letting them talk. You're letting them explain to you what their problem is. You're going and like digging information out of them that in like a general conversation, maybe you wouldn't get that information from somebody because you're not like getting deeper inside of them and understanding like, why are they in this position where they're calling you in the first place? Yeah, it's it's almost this like, we, we all have a tendency, I think, to do surface level communications. And what you've learned through this journey is that you really have to dig down to make sure that you're truly understanding and the other person is truly understanding you. Um, that's fantastic. Just think about it. If you just stayed in your current W2 job, you would never have the opportunity to go on this kind of personal growth journey that is going to, like you're putting so much effort into this empathetic listening and building rapport and digging down for a couple layers deep to get to the real heart of the issue. Like you probably would never go down this path. And this path is going to do, is just going to make the quality of all your future relationships so much better. So it's exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. I like to think that's how it's all going to work out. And honestly, as I do communication, I'm not even looking at it purely um, my personal relationship with my wife or even the business thing. But anytime I have a conversation with anyone now, I'm like, okay, what are we talking about? Can we like dig a little bit deeper? Can we go to a different level than where we were at before? And I know that's, that's really not the intent with everybody because not everybody <laughs> wants that, right? Not everybody is at that same point. So yeah, my I, husband, man, I'll tell you, he's like, <laughs> stop it. Stop salesing me. And I'm like, well, what, what made you react like that? When I said that he's like, I am going to beat you. Like just, my husband <laughs> would never beat me, but you know, it's <laughs> like, Stop salesing me. (laughs) Hypothetically. (laughs) Yeah. All right. One last question before we wrap things up. Um, We talked about you're an ace and accountability expert. That's a leader of um, an accountability group this session. Um, What have you learned about leadership by being an ace? We're a couple of weeks in now. So biggest leadership takeaway here, um, I think, is not beating yourself up if everything is not going the right way and not putting yourself in a position where you think you need to have all the answers because mm-hmm. you're the ace or that you need to uh, like put up this facade, right? It's just like being in the accountability group where you need to show up every week. I'm at the same point as an ace where I see our group size dropping down 
And I want to make sure that the group is getting the best experience, that I'm getting the best experience, that we really have the opportunity to take these 10 weeks and to continue to grow at the pace that we want to. So I look and say, okay, I don't know that this is going to happen in our current group, but I know there's people in this group that want to do this with me that are on the same mission. Yep. And there's a lot of other groups that we have right now that are also on the same mission. I wasn't afraid to raise my hand and come to the support within seven figure and say, can we do something with our group? Because I really think that we have something here. I don't want to lose what we have going, but I think it might be more worthwhile if we could then join forces with another group or other people who are doing the same thing and see if that momentum that we've built already, we could just carry that momentum to another group, add it to what they already have going and see if we can help all of us move ahead rather than try to do things on our own. Yeah, that's, that is, um, that's a, that's a good leadership lesson there, which is that you really need to stay focused on the, the, what you want to accomplish and not necessarily how it gets done. Right. You want for the motivated people to get the best experience, to get to where they want to go, take ownership, to show up each week. And like, it doesn't have to be just the three of you. It could be you in another group and put six of you back together and then get those good conversations. It's interesting how much we tend to pay attention to the negative and the loss. And, and this is a psycho- sales psychology thing, right? People are motivated by fear of loss. And instead of saying, hey, I have these other two people who are super committed, like let's let's band together and create an amazing thing, which is what you're doing. And I think that's fantastic. Any last thoughts that you want to share with people who are really interested in accountability and um, that, that we didn't go over on this episode? I would say that accountability from the surface, right? You, you may just think like, oh, accountability just means like everybody's getting together and like, what am I really going to get out of this at the end? But it's not necessarily, maybe I, going back to what I said before, it's not about what you are going to get out of it, but maybe you really helped somebody else in the accountability session. And then by helping somebody else, you get something that you didn't know you needed, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always about what can I take away from this, but if we come together, if we talk, we have this discussion, maybe just by sharing something with somebody else, whether it's business related, personal related, anything that impacts them, it may allow them to move to the next point in their personal journey, their business journey, And then they can come back and say, hey, you know what? Remember that time that you were talking to me about this in the accountability group? Well, because of that, this is what I was able to do in my personal life. You really helped me to get through this. I think like those are the biggest, those are the biggest wins. So I don't know. I've never really been big into like this whole support group thing in the past. So it was all, (laughs) and that's what I'm going to call it the support group because it wasn't something that I really ever had available to me in the mm. past, but I think doing it with people that are on a similar journey to you gives you a lot more um, opportunity to grow than to try something like this with people who aren't at the same place as you. Um, because I know Bill mentioned this a while back, but 
think what he said was that you need to show up differently for different people. Yeah. So I look at this as these people are all here with a common goal, right? A common interest, which is real estate, even if we're going in different directions. So can we take that common interest that binds us together and then create the group around that, even if it's not just focused on real estate. So if somebody was looking or interested in doing something with accountability, I would say try to find people that have similar interest, um, something they're doing that's the same that you are, because that's what binds you together. And one big thing that I can look back on prior to this, or I guess a couple of different occasions I can look back on prior to this, where you really get close to people mm-hmm. the same way would be uh, college. Mm-hmm. because everybody's there with a common goal and then high school even though you don't really know I look at high school maybe not as much knowing what your common goal is but everybody's like in this place together you're sharing the time together um, yep. you're all growing up together you just need to be with people that are doing something and interested in something similar to you and then all the other stuff happens but if you're missing that common connection then you never get a chance for all the other stuff to happen then you're just yeah. gonna miss out on otherwise awesome you said it perfectly so with that for anybody listening we um if you're starting out on your real estate journey come come hang out with us at flip packing live in 2020 it's in orlando 2021 what year are we in <laughs> 2021 in october it's down in orlando there will be a lazy river carla will you be there absolutely me too we'll hang out on the lazy river together so come buy your tickets um, you can go to Flip Hacking Live, look up Flip Hacking Live, or if you're further along in your journey and you want to get started now, come check us out at Seven Figure Altitude. That's our higher level group, um, usually doing around eight deals a year, $250,000 in revenue. You can go fill out an application to have a conversation at sevenfigurealtitude.com. Thanks, Carlo, for being an awesome guest. Um, we're going to hang out again in July for a little bit, I hope, and then we'll see each other in October. But in the meantime... Good luck with your goals and let's go crush things. Thanks, Becca. Appreciate it. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.